0: Hello and welcome to the History of Vikings. In today's episode, I'll be joined by Johanna Friedrichs-Deuter, a specialist in Old Norse literature, myth and manuscripts. Johanna is a lecturer at Yale and is currently working on a book about women during the Viking Age. I'm very excited to have her on today and I definitely expect to learn something from her as well. Johanna, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Noah. I'm so pleased to be on the show
0: yeah, it's my pleasure, not a problem. So you're writing a book on women during the Viking age, and I'm very excited for that to come out. I believe you said is it coming out spring of next year?
1: Um hopefully sort of spring summer yeah um it's it's due in the in the fall so then it'll take a few months to sort it out. But yeah, sort of sometime mid next year.
0: Yeah, I'll certainly be very excited to read it. You know, women during the Viking Age, that's a very interesting topic. And it's one that has been particularly fascinating to me. So I'd love to just uh, start off the discussion by asking you to tell us about uh, sort of women during the Viking Age. What were the roles of women during the Viking Age? What were their contributions? Is there anything that we should be particularly excited about when studying Viking women and how did Viking women differ from other cultures at the time?
1: Yeah, well, Noah, that was um, that was a big question. Um, and I guess I'm writing a book about the entire thing, so i'll I'll try to just hit some of the main points. Um, I think just from from all the research I've been doing that life was quite exciting in the Viking age for many women. I mean, it was tough um for sure and and um there was, you know, work was very stressful for the body and so on. But um, there were also kind of lots of changes happening um, in in society and and techniques. And so um, you might actually be able to travel to another country or at least travel away from from your farm um, where you were born. Um, And, you know, there there probably weren't, you know, as many options necessarily available to women as to men um, in terms of, you know, going going off on these Viking raids and and kind of becoming a member of a retinue necessarily. Um, but we do actually have um, at least like one, one poem by a, a woman who became a court poet in, in Norway, um, which, you know, was normally like a very masculine kind of realm. And it was these kind of bands of warriors, and they would have this kind of, the, the king would have this poet, um, who would be his kind of PR guy slash um, advisor kind of fan. Um, and this is a kind of quite macho culture, but but we have the names of a few women who became these court poets or composed this sort of poetry. Um, so I think that's one of the really exciting things that just the kind of possibilities of, of being maybe upwardly mobile and, um, yeah, sort of the, the kind of independence and the the freedom that could, uh, in contrast, I think, to many other period and um, societies you could have. Um, women were allowed to own property and so inherit, for example. Um, they were not supposed to be able to say who um, who they got married to if they, you know, were, if their family was well enough to marry uh, well, well enough off to marry them. You know, the, some of the kind of laws and the sagas just show this as a business transaction. So a man would come in and ask for a woman's hand in marriage and the, he would ask the father or the male guardian. Um, and then the woman is just supposed to accept this. But um, there's many other kind of sagas that show that it's actually not the best idea, maybe to, you know, not at least to consult the daughter. And women were sort of expected to take a lot of initiative. Um, If they were a housewife, they were running essentially a small business, you know, the, the farm, like, Just keeping your family clothed and fed was just a huge enterprise. There was just so much work involved in this. And then, you know, just to make one set of clothing, you know, for one person would take weeks. And, you know, all the raw material, all the skills that you would have to have, uh, you know, being able to spin and and sort the wool and and clean it and and, um, weave and cut and sew and everything. So, you know, I think we don't really... um, kind of acknowledge necessarily just how indispensable women's work and women's skills were in the Viking Age. And I guess that kind of brings me maybe to the sails. Yes. So on the the ship, the, the, the kind of improving techniques for building ships were kind of one of the things that happened in the Viking Age. Um, and the, these, these kind of long ships that they used to kind of sail up these rivers down in, you know, further south in Europe and and Raid and Harry and everything. What I didn't know, um, and I hadn't realized until I was researching the book, was that the sail was basically as expensive as as the ship. Wow. And it would have taken one person, you know, four to five years or so to make the sale. So you would have to, if you wanted to get a sale for a ship in, you know, a couple of months or something, you would have to have like a large team of people, you know, in some kind of specialized uh, workshop or, you know, like a textile production going um, with, you know, loads of skilled workers, essentially, who are all women, you know. So I think this is one of the things that we haven't really thought about very much, but you couldn't really sail very Far without a ship, I guess, uh, without a sail uh, on the ship. So um, this was one of the most fascinating things that I, I kind of I hadn't really thought about very much. Um, Because, you know, I think we know about some of the women kind of explorers um, who were going with their husbands to explore. And there were some independent women who actually settled like in Iceland and um, the British Isles and so on. But just the kind of basic, um, you know, foundation for, for the Viking Age being, you know, something that was produced by women. Right. Um, I think is something we we should acknowledge more.
0: Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And you mentioned the sails of the ships, and that's something that I never knew either until you just mentioned it. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the production of cloth and textiles was something that was solely allotted to women, which of course, if that were true, would be huge because there was no plastic. I mean, of course there was metal, but you know, even metal would have been extremely time-consuming to manufacture and to produce. So cloth would have been used Quite extensively.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, beyond clothing, which obviously everyone needed clothes, so you can't actually kind of dismiss that that um, contribution of, of women and their work. Um, then you also, you know, were using textiles to carry things in and, you know, just kind of to, you know, for your beds. Um, you know hanging textiles on the wall just to keep drafts out and make your house warmer i mean textiles are just absolutely indispensable to life in the viking age
0: absolutely so, and in yeah. another great point you made is that you know it would take up to 4 years to produce the sail of a viking ship and of course the single element that was so vital to the viking's success was their ability to be mobile and their mm. exploration journeys and their raids, which of course were all carried out by long ships. And, you know, I think I was recently discussing this with a friend of mine who also is very interested in Viking history. And although we tend to think of Viking men when talking about Vikings, because they're certainly more visible, you know, in terms of raiding and farming, I think that quote really rings true behind every great man is an even greater woman. And I think we really see that in terms of studying the economic and labor contracts Contributions that Viking women made to society
1: yeah absolutely and I, I think that you know it was a patriarchal society but I, I think sort of up to a point um, so even if we have these laws that that clearly show women being, subordinate to men and having less power and so on. But I think there's also the kind of less formal aspects of society that you can't, couldn't just kind of um, treat women like they didn't matter and like that they didn't have any power whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it just it wouldn't really you wouldn't have got them to co- cooperate yeah. and so on. I think um, if, if you're going to treat people like that and, and like you do see a, f- a sort of a few women, it seems that a few women were able to participate in these kind of politics. For example, there's um, all the stories of Queen Gunnhild sort of suggest that she was co-ruling in Norway with with her husband and her sons. And then um, maybe even more, uh, even better source, uh, historical sources, there's a poem that, Um, is probably original um, by this Icelandic poet who's who's praising a a queen called Astrid. And he praises her for her involvement in this kind of political discussion that that changed the course of history a little bit. Um, And it doesn't really matter what that was about, but the fact that he's praising that she was kind of involving herself and, and persuading a faction to do one thing where there was kind of disagreement before sort of suggests that at least if you had the charisma and you had the just the personality. You you could have, you know, a, a fair amount of power on this kind of official, you know, elite level. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's, that's um, just yeah. fascinating. And earlier you mentioned the sagas, and I would love to ask you a question about that. So I've read mm-hmm. some of the sagas, uh, the saga of the Icelanders, parts of the saga of the Volsungs, and we certainly see these leading, strong-willed, independent female characters. And oftentimes it appears that these female characters are, I don't want to say warlike, but don't hesitate to take up arms if necessary. I believe it was Gudrun in the Saga of the Volsungs taking up her father's sword. Are the sagas historically accurate or are they more of dramatized and fictional in the way that they present the character of Viking women?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And and certainly not something that, you know, scholars are completely agreed on. So there's, there's just endless debate. And it's a a lot of fun to work in this field. But um, I would say there's a sliding scale. And the kind of some of the sagas of Icelanders, Glagstala saga or Gisla saga, you know, they're, they are obviously fictional works. um, And they kind of make references and, you know, there's, there's bad dreams and magic and kind of omens and so on. But there's a level of realistic context where you can see that the the authors can't really get away with too much fiction or too much kind of fantasy, I guess you could call it. So in in those sagas, there are actually get really angry about something or they they want revenge for some kind of perceived harm that's been done to them. And then they kind of take a weapon and they take aim at some man who's the one who's insulted them. And they're not 100% successful. So they don't kill him or anything like that. It sort of shows that they don't really they they don't really have training. They don't really know necessarily how to use the weapon, at least in Gisla Saga, for example. yeah Um, but then and in then you have these amazing stories that sort of belong to a different genre. And, you know, it's even more sort of there's even more fantasy. There's like talking dragons and there's ogres and dwarves and there's heroes who, who live for 300 years and they have I think in Vilsunga Saga Sigurd um, is, is 15 feet tall or something yeah. you know there's there's all these kind of fantasy elements um, and so in Vilsunga Saga Gudrun is supposed to or you know um, in that whole story she's she claims at some point that she used to go on some kind of fights with her brothers and and um, so on yeah I mean they're just so full of folklore and everything that I I would sort of say that they they firmly belong in the kind of what we might you know equ- equate with fantasy genres today like so we we can't really use them for, for historical accuracy but we can mine them to understand like how people thought about women and there's yeah like so there's a continuum between these kind of women and then valkyries who are f- like absolutely 100% supernatural, um, and there's there's again the sort of sliding scale um, from one character to another. From from there's ones one shield one maiden who seems you know pretty firmly human who. Who goes off on Viking raids and calls calls herself a male name, uh, and then she breaks into her her like father's mound. Her father's dead, and he's been buried in a mound, and she goes and talks to the corpse. Wow! <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's really fun. <laughs> so they have yeah they have this kind of long discussion, and then he gives her eventually he gives her like the heirloom sword that he was buried with, and we actually know that people used to break into Viking mounds like in the Viking age, you know not that long after the person was actually buried. Um, so, you know, there's some kind of historical accuracy there, but, what you know, by the time it, it's been filtered through all these generations and, and then you have an author who just wants to tell a good story, you have to distinguish a lot between fact and fiction, I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah that's an ec- and, and, Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to tell you that um, the model for uh, Lothgartha or Lagartha, I think her name is, in, in the Viking's TV show. Yes. Um, that female character, for example, in she appears in a, a work by someone, someone who was a cleric in, in Denmark called Saxo Grammaticus. And actually she's she's a shield maiden and she participates in a battle and at one point she's flying in the battle and Valkyries also fly. So, you know, there's a question whether Lathgerda La- is supernatural, really.
0: Yes. Yeah, I've always wondered that and I'd love to get into a discussion sort of about about the shield maidens, you know, that's a widely debated topic, certainly sort of controversial. We know that women were crucial to the success of the Vikings in terms of their accomplishments and their successful raids and their exploration and just the rich culture, which has um, survived so long and is still with us and present today. Did women take up arms in reality and go off raiding along with men, or is that sort of an element of fiction? I know there's been recent archaeological discoveries of women in Viking Age Burials found with a sword next to them. So, what are your thoughts on that Mm -hmm.
1: issue? Yeah, I think it's really, really fascinating. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there were women. I mean, it just must have been the case that there were some women who went off on these, these Viking raids. Some of them might have actually, you know, just been, been women, but like some of them might have had to cross dress, or some of them might have. Actually, been you know not felt that they were women and were trans men, but there's there's no actual evidence that can hundred percent prove this issue. Um, and there's there's a fair amount of kind of evidence that suggests that you know they went maybe on raids but didn't participate in the battle itself. So there's a reference in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle where that the there's a Viking army that comes into England. Um, they like the English army that kind of, tries to fight back against them find their women and children so they've been put in some kind of safe place as I say the written the other written sources are so folkloric and kind of fantastical even the ones that you know the, the author maybe in, in his mind he was writing history but um, we can't use a source that has a talk, talking dragon or something like that as yeah you know any kind of representation of history that's like trying to use Game of Thrones for a source about Mario history i mean they are these authors are several hundred years removed from the viking age you have these graves um I think there's at least, there's two graves, I believe, with these skeletons that have been determined to be women. And one of them was the one that kind of went viral oh. um, last last fall. Um, and that was actually excavated a long time ago, like over 100 years ago. But they, they were kind of reassessing the bones and, and apparently they thought that the bones were actually quite fine for uh, a man's bones um, and th- this was this was a grave that had lots and lots of weapons and a horse I know two horses I think and they yeah so they they kind of noticed that the bones were fairly fine and they didn't have any signs of, of the person having done anything very strenuous like a war you know a w- warrior's bones are usually like they have some signs of trauma and that kind of thing <laughs> Um, you know, broken bones or or injuries, you know, something like that. Um, So they, yeah, they found, um, they found that they tested the DNA and it turned out to be, you know, someone who had been a, a biological woman, as we would maybe call it. And then there's another grave in Norway, not as magnificent, not as rich in terms of the grave, grave goods. But there was also a skeleton there that was that has been, term, been determined as a woman. And that one was also quite like fine boned. And she was pretty short, like she was something like five feet or something like that. Um, and the sword was kind of like more than half of her wow. height um, in, in length. So um, so the problem with that grave was kind of, well, you know, she probably, like, would this person ever have been able to kind of lift this sword and use it in a sword fight? Um, and in that context, um, there you know, there's been a few graves found um, of little boys, or, you know, there's a nine-year-old boy, for example, in the same, on the same island as the, the Burka, the woman warrior, so-called. Um, and he was probably, like, nine years old, and and it was the same. He has this enormous sword and everything. Yeah. And um, so, so archaeologists have kind of disagreed on how to interpret these graves, you know, to, to quite a large extent. And some archaeologists are kind of saying, you know, when there's there's a funeral or, or like when we find all these grave goods, there was a funeral. There was a ritual. Um, and we can't really reconstruct what actually happened. But it was clearly a public event. And lots of people would have been watching it. And so that's for the living people. That's not for the dead person. So the dead person isn't actually deciding on what happens or what stuff gets put in uh, into yeah. the grave. And it's it's just a huge kind of a very thorny issue. When when kind of we, when we think about how people are buried now, you you know you you decide on what happens at the funeral and what clothes the person is wearing. And you th- you you kind of might say, well, this is what grandfather would have wanted. But like <laughs> you know you don't actually know that necessarily. So you know you could apply the same thing to the vikings and their funerals and they're there's they're doing all kinds of things they're putting all this equipment into the graves um, and really really expensive exclusive things of of course so they're kind of saying well you know we are high status we are extremely wealthy we have trade links mm-hmm. you know exclusive access to all the, this stuff so there's there's kind of there's so much ideology that's just going into the grave and so why would you bury a woman with all this equipment if you know she hadn't been using it in in real life um, that's that's a really it's a it's an enigma I and some archaeologists actually say Say that it might have been the wife <laughs> of a warrior um, who died somewhere, and you know maybe drowned, or maybe he died on some Viking raid, and they were never able to recover the body, and so the woman would have been sacrificed, or would have decided she wanted to join her husband in death, or something like that. Um, and there are examples of like graves with you know two, three, four people um, where they think that you know some of the people in the grave might have been chosen to accompany someone else in the grave to you know. Into the afterlife, mm-hmm. um, so so it's just such a huge, complicated issue that I think I think we're never gonna really find the answer. You know, I, I think that Swedish grave that that um, was kind of the this big story that went viral um, is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just a sort of overs- oversimplification if if we want to quote Wilson Gosaga and say, well, there's a woman warrior there, and then here's a skeleton with all this this um, these weapons. And that proves the case.
0: Yeah, Um, no, that's an excellent point. You've (laughs) hit a lot of interesting things there. And if I may just ask one last question, that famous burial that that we reassessed Mm -hmm. last fall in Bjorka, Sweden, Uh, we found a, the bones were confirmed to be that of a woman and we found some weaponry next to her. How many, my question is this, how many Viking age burials have we found in total across, you know, Mm. all of history or whatever? And how many were burials of women?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I have to admit I don't have the exact numbers. I know that there are thousands of graves. I think there's sort of somewhere between. Yeah, to be honest, I can I can you know come back you to no you with that. But, but it is a
0: lot, right? Um, we have a lot. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean there's there's thousands. Like there the I mean it's under ten thousand I think. Wow. But um, the the actual um, there are fewer graves of women than of men that have been found. That doesn't mean that there were fewer women than men, or or that they you know got buried in some different way it's it's usually that the case that the it's easier to find male graves because they have have kind of more iron objects that tend to stick out of the ground okay so like an axe or a sword or something like that whereas like women were usually buried with um, like jewelry and these brooches and sort of household objects like distaffs, you know, that they were using for spinning and like weaving implements. Yeah, just sort of various tools that they would have been using. Um, sometimes, you know, little knives and that kind of thing. But um, I think there's 17 graves. And in, in addition to the two graves that I mentioned, there's 17 more that have either some kind of projectile, and so like maybe some arrowheads or a spear on one hand, and then on the other hand, some axes. Um, people think that the axe is not necessarily a weapon, it might just have been like something that you would have used to kind of chop up a, a animal cadaver when you were you know preparing it butchering it for cooking um so out of you know thousands and thousands of graves um two women with swords um is not a lot um i don't want to dismiss it as you know meaningless but like if we want to kind of even if we're prepared to to believe that you know there were shield maidens women warriors um you know clearly it, it wasn't a A very common thing um for 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 women like as a as a kind of career option i think you know most women have very busy active lives and they um they were, be- they were educating their children, they were healers and midwives. And sometimes they involved themselves in the local politics and or even elite politics. And um, they, they were, you know, they had a lot of power, but I don't think we always have to equate power with violence mm-hmm. as well. So like being able to have power, that's, you know, how do you define that? Is that you know, you get to kind of influence your own life, you get to tell other people what to do, and so on, you get to kind of Control property, um, but I think because the the Vikings are so kind of linked with all this raiding and and, and yeah. kind of violence, sort of un, uncontrolled violence and you know brutality and so on. I think maybe that's what holds its appeal so much. Yeah,
0: um, that's an that's a really yeah. interesting point you made about power is certainly not always associated. It does not always have to It'd be linked to violence. And women had a lot of power over the household unit, if you will, the family. You know what I mean? As did men, but they both had power in different aspects. And I know I said that that was going to be my last question to you, but just one more has come up. So if I may just ask that to you. Absolutely. So now I'm going to play the devil's advocate for a moment in terms of there were shield maidens and shield maidens did exist. First of all, let me just ask you, (laughs) how important was the fact that women were very much the child bearers to the Vikings? How important was producing more children to the Vikings? And why would you send younger women, assumably would be the ones who would have been the shield maidens and would have been the warrior simply because older women perhaps wouldn't have been as capable in performing well in battle. Why would you send women who were of the childbearing age into combat? Wouldn't that kind of jeopardize your ability to create a lot of children?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a complicated issue. I mean, it, if, you kind of take demographic um, numbers and facts, you know, before the arrival of hospitals and penicillin and that kind of thing. Um, like in, in most of the world, like child mortality is really high to begin with. Um, it's, it's, you know, anywhere from like 40% to 60% or something like that. And, and probably in the Viking age. So, um, and, and from that, like people think that, you know, women were pretty much either pregnant or breastfeeding, yeah. you know, for, for, you know, several decades of their life. Um, it takes a huge toll on the body, obviously. Um, so even if you have lots of children, a lot of them are going to die. So yeah, I mean, it. I think it just depends on how many children you would have, first of all, and how many, how, how many assets or like disposable kind of property. So if, um And it depends a lot on the d- local politics, I think. And so if you have a lot of kind of surplus daughters, I think maybe it would have mattered l- less, um, you know, if, if one of them went off to become a Viking. And I mean, probably a lot of the Vikings were actually younger sons who didn't have a lot of hope, you know they they weren't the ones who were going to inherit their their family's farm and so on so um they kind of had to go off and like make their own life basically and the the kind of viking the viking age allowed them to to do that and um so, but anyway, I mean, I think I think it would have been very difficult for a young woman to say, you know, if she was one, like if there were one or two sisters, to say, "I'm going to go and, and, you know, yeah. be a Viking." <laughs> um, yeah, and um, and I mean, in some sagas, you you kind of see that the the fathers and the brothers they keep their women under kite, tight control, and like in Ail saga, like Ail is the kind of foremost viking um it's really interesting like women don't get a lot of speaking roles in that saga um and obviously it's it's written in the 13th century but like at the same time it kind of has a pretty harsh sort of image of the way that that life could be for a woman. And so there's one woman who's married and her husband dies. And when he's dying, he says to his best friend, I want you to like go and marry my widow. And he's like, okay. And then he shows up and he just announces to her like, this is how it's going to be. And then he dies. And then the king decides on her next husband and she just never gets to decide on anything but then there's another character who kind of steals a woman essentially like he they've he's he's uh on some viking raid somewhere and he meets this young woman and falls in love with her and he takes her away without her like kinsman's blessing basically and so i um, mean that causes like a lot of trouble later on so you kind of have this um image and the m- mythology as well i mean it's it's a huge kind of dishonor for you if Um, another man is able to kind of get anywhere near your women. And like, there's a story about Loki cutting off the hair of, of like one of the goddesses, um, Thor's uh, wife. And this is, you know, a huge dishonor for Thor um, because it, it kind of implies that he's not not able to protect her and, and kind of keep her keep her under yeah. control essentially. <laughs> um, so so you have this idea that like the Vikings, if uh, you know they're they're women, they needed to keep them away from other men, and so the idea that you had this kind of freedom as a young woman just to say I'm going to go and do this, I sort of don't really. Believe that it would have been at least a, a very easy thing for a young woman to say, and like maybe she she would have just run off. Um, uh, as I say, but um, I, you have to have the opportunity and kind of a fair, you know, some some resources uh, to do this. Yeah,
0: well, well, thank you so much, Johanna, uh, for coming on today. I've learned so much about women during the Viking age, and uh, you brought up the story of Loki cutting Thor's wife's hair, and I remember reading that, and thinking the same thing, like, wow, it's sort of a remarkable story. Norse mythology is of course my thing and I've always been fascinated with the Valkyries so we'll definitely have to have you on again soon sometimes and perhaps touch on that or something else like that.
1: Absolutely yeah I could I could probably talk about the Valkyries for another half hour I'm sure. (laughs) Well absolutely
0: Um, we'll definitely have to have you on again sometime and it's been so nice having you thank Thank you you. so much for coming on today.
1: No uh, it's my pleasure thank you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of the History of Vikings, then do me a favor and write me a review. I'd love to hear any criticism or feedback that you might have for me. Thank you so much for joining me today on the History of Vikings.